1: The Old Testament lesson today is taken from 1 Kings, where God speaks to Elijah. There, he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake after the earthquake came a fire the lord was not in the fire after the fire went out after the fire came a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave then a voice said to him what are you doing here Elijah he replied I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with sword. I am the only one left. From now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel came over Aram also, Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel-malwa, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of the zeal and Elisha will put to death any who escaped who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and he was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered him. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah, and became his attendant. The Epistle lesson today comes from Galatians chapter five. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful in nature. Rather serve one another in love. The entire law was summed up in a single commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Please
2: Ninth chapter as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven jesus resolutely set out for jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a samaritan village to get things ready for him but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for jerusalem when the disciples james and john saw this they asked "'Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven "'and destroy them?' "'But Jesus rebuked them. "'And they went to another village. "'As they were walking along the road, "'a man said to him, "'I will follow you wherever you go.' "'And Jesus said, "Foxes have holes, "'birds of the air have nests, "'but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head.' "'He said to another man, "'Follow me.' "'But the man replied, "'First, Lord, let me go and bury my father.' And "'Jesus said to him, "'Let the dead bury their own dead.' But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who has put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our first reading. From 1 Kings chapter 19, let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you just as we are. All our hearts, our heartaches are open to you. Lord, you know what things trouble us in life, and now you want us to know the incomparable power and love in the, of your love in the midst of these troubles. Open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts to hear and understand your word. Let your spirit work through it so that we may see you more clearly. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our maker and our redeemer, amen. For those that have been around for a while, perhaps you remember, uh, although it might sound like nails on a chalkboard for you, depending on who you are, uh, or send a shiver down your spine, Uh, In years past, it was the curse of parents everywhere. Uh, Simply by beginning the song, it can mean great joy, right? Uh, As well as great stress. And I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll speak it. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Anyone know that one? Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, You've heard that tune, sung by a large, ever-smiling, big purple dinosaur named Barney. Uh, From 1992 to 2010, this big, cuddly purple dinosaur entertained children each and every day. I know Barney made lots of children happy. I know that he engaged in lots of fun songs with them. I know that it was probably a pretty good children's show. I have absolutely nothing against Barney personally, okay? Uh, But if you listen to that song too much, I think you're likely to lose your mind. Uh, Now, the dinosaur was a little bit weird, wasn't he? And it wasn't his dancing, or that he was purple, and it's my favorite color. Uh, it wasn't even that he told me that he, that he loved me and wanted to hug me in every refrain of the song. What was really weird was that he was always happy, right? I mean, he was always smiling. He was such a chipper, upbeat dinosaur all the time, and it doesn't seem possible to be that happy all the time, Right? I mean, maybe you've had a, a Barney impression of Christianity. Maybe you've had that idea or heard that, that once you become a Christian, then, then you, your life, it's going to be everything that's going to be great. It's going to be happy and chipper. Uh, maybe you're tempted to buy into those thoughts. Well, if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, then I, I, I'm not going to be afraid of pressure. I'm not going to be uncertain about my abilities. I'm not going to doubt my usefulness i'm not going to struggle with depression i will be happy and strong i will always be happy well you ever wonder about those things you ever flip through the channels and see that smiling purple dinosaur or maybe that perfect evangelist with a televangelist with perfect teeth right uh press suit and flawless never-ending smile jumping around stage as if they're on that perpetual emotional high of happiness and wondered Is this what it's supposed to be like? I mean, is this what Christians are like? uh, Because I don't feel like this all the time. Now, if you ever had those thoughts or ever felt alone or ever felt like your life was one big parade of problems with no end in sight, quite frankly, just want to check out and get away from it all, then I have someone I'd like you to meet, and his name is Elijah. Now, you might be thinking, oh, great, uh, another Old Testament hero that did great things and nothing ever went wrong. Well, (laughs) not quite, right? Not even close. Elijah, when we are about to meet him in the reading, Elijah is a mess. We'll find out that he has the same reason for hope that you and I have. So let's uh, take a look at that in verse 9. Then there he went into a cave and spent the night. You ever spend a night in a cave? I hope not. It's not the best place. (laughs) It's not a a great vacation destination. I mean, now Linda and I have uh, taken tours of various caves in Missouri and in in, in Virginia, and it's interesting, but they are dark. They're gloomy. It's a cave, it's cold uh, and damp. And so why in the world is Elijah here in a cave? He's at a low point. He's depressed. He's been rejected. He feels like a failure. He feels like there's no point to his life. He feels alone. And so he goes into an atmosphere which sort of matches his mood, a cave. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, did God know why Elijah was at the cave? Well, yeah, of course. He's God. He knows everything. So why did God ask him this question? Because God's initiating a a crucial step in Elijah's recovery here. He's trying to get Elijah's brain off of himself and onto his mission. Elijah was to proclaim God's word as a prophet, to be out there in the world proclaiming, and quite frankly, sit in a cave doesn't cut it. Now it seems like Elijah's brain has turned to that one channel, Elijah Show, right? Uh, He's so focused on himself, so focused on his problems, that he can't see God's opportunity or even God's love. Listen to those words. (coughs) He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Wow. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Excuse me. Just like that children's book, Elijah was having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day at work, right? Just prior to this. Now, it's interesting, just prior to this, he had prayed and witnessing God burning up a sacrifice that he had set up. Some false prophets of Baal uh, tried to do the same thing and they failed. It was apparent who won, uh, who had the power. It was obvious God was in charge. Baal was a phony. <clears throat> a banner day for Elijah and his ministry. It might have seemed that it was a tremendous spiritual revival would break out in Israel. The temple would be packed with worshipers and the next Sabbath, but instead, <coughs> the king, Ahab, the queen, Jezebel, demanded Elijah's head. Brought to them, separated from the rest of his body. And so here he is, he's running for his life. He's under the threat of death. Something seems to have snapped in Elijah and he runs off, goes to the cave. In his response to God's question, we can see that mental and emotional condition saying, I am the only one left, God. Now they're trying to kill me too. I'm the only one left. Well, was he really? <clears throat> no, there were more, uh, more prophets, God would tell him later, 7,000 in Israel who still believed in the one true God, but Elijah couldn't see it. Elijah was so focused on his own pity and drowning in his depression that his grasp on reality got distorted. Depression does that to us, doesn't it? I mean, when you're depressed, it changes all your perception of reality. You look outside, you can't see how beautiful the sky is because you're thinking about the rain that's going to ruin your day later. You can't see the beauty of a baby's face because all you think of is, I can't have a child. So when you're in that frame of mind, when you're in that cave as Elijah was, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it sort of changes everything. And so Elijah, the one who had run away from God into the cave, needed a reality check, and here it is. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out about stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What a show of power. Earth winded fire, literally, right? Where was God in the gentle whisper? It's not that God ran out of steam after the big display. Uh, God was doing this intentionally, pretty deliberately, to show Elijah and you and me a very beautiful truth about himself because God, God could have come with an earthquake of fury. He could have come with a fire of rage to call Elijah, but instead God comes to him in a whisper. You see what that shows us? How does God deal with you and me? Not in wrath to make us run, <clears throat> but in quiet love to make us long for him not to fill our hearts with terror, but win our hearts with tenderness. God quietly calls you and me. He calms us with his presence. With a gentle whisper, walking through the quiet means of, of, of word and sacrament, God whispers to your trembling heart, doesn't he? He says, do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be afraid, I've died for your sins, even the ones you're ashamed of. Do not be afraid, in Christ you have been made perfect. Do not be afraid, I rose again from the dead. Do not be afraid, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, I'm holding you tightly in those nail-scarred hands, and I will not let you go. Thinking to the beginning of the message, will all of your problems magically vanish by being a Christian? No, they won't. Will life be one big party? (laughs) No. It won't. Will you always be happy all the time? No, you won't. Will you blast your way through life uh, uh, over all the things that come your way? No, you'll get stalled sometimes. Will you have days where you feel stretched as thin as can be? Yes, you will. Will you cry out to God, God, not this. You told me that you won't give me any more than I can handle, but boy, it seems like it right now. I feel like I'm at my end. I don't need this. Will that be your cry to him sometime? Yeah, it will. You will have those days. You might very well feel like Elijah on those days looking for the nearest cave to run into. But you have the same gentle but powerful voice that's talking to you and it's God's. Are you listening to him? God's talking to you when you open up the scriptures and meditate on him. God is talking to you when you take time for devotion and Bible class. God is, in his word, we're told of someone who else was alone, facing the dark case of life without sin, Jesus. He tells you what Jesus did for you. He lived, died, and rose again from the dead. He tells you that Jesus is still here, still caring, still having a plan. And that voice, my friends, that will make all the difference. That voice will call you back. That voice will keep you out of the cave. That voice will keep you focused on the strength that only God can give to you. I I, I think I told the story before. I know I've told the story before, but I want to tell you a story of a man who who could have run into a cave. A man who needed a gentle but powerful voice of God. Perhaps you've heard of him. His name is Horatio Spafford. Maybe it doesn't ring the bell, but he was a 43-year-old lawyer who lived on the north uh, side of uh, Chicago with his wife Anna and five children. Life was pretty good for Horatio. In 1871, his only son of the the uh, 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 four girls and a son, his son died. Maybe you can think of that pain, losing a child and death. Uh, uh, Maybe you're tempted to at that point, go into a cave, so to speak. But he didn't. He went on. <coughs> a few months later, in 1871, the Great Chicago Fire consumed his real estate investments. He lost everything. He had nothing. Can you imagine life at that point? Attempting <laughs> to get in a cave at that point? You bet. But he went on. <coughs> Two years later, he He had uh, uh, started to bring things back, and he and his family decided to take a vacation to Europe. Last-minute business, he was delayed, but he sent his family on ahead of him uh, on the steamship as scheduled and promised to follow in a few days. About four days into their trip crossing the Atlantic Ocean on November uh, 22, 1873, that ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel, and it sank in 12 minutes. 226 people were killed, including the remaining four of his children. A sailor rowing a boat around the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage, his wife Anna, still alive, pulled her into the boat and picked up by another large vessel and nine days later landed them in Wales. From there she wired a husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? It was said that he later framed that telegram and placed it in his office. Imagine the pain. Might have been tempted to go to a cave at that point. Immediately, he uh, left Chicago to bring his wife home, book passage on the next available ship, and join his grieving wife. And and when the ship was about four days out, the, the captain called him to his cabin and told him that they were over the place where the other ship went down where his children died. And it was at that place he was at the lowest. Maybe feeling the dark cave of depression caving in on him, but then he did something surprising. He took a pen and began to write a poem. Uh, You know it, we just sang it. When peace like a river attendeth my way. In other words, when life is going so well. When sorrow and sea billows roll, when, when life is tough, he'd probably look out and see those sea and uh, huge waves and maybe imagining uh, the waves that took out uh, that ship and, his, and, and his, uh, his children. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Could you say that at that point? It is well with my soul? He goes on to explain why he can say those words in the third stanza of the hymn. He lives, O oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole. He is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. That is why he could exclaim it is well with my soul. That's why he could get out of that cave, not because of his own strength, not because of his own attitude, Rather, he knew that Jesus Christ had nailed his sins to the cross. He knew Jesus Christ loved him and would never let him go, no matter what life threw his way. That Jesus Christ loved him. That forgiveness in heaven would never leave him, no matter what life brought him. That Jesus would love him in life and in death and in the eternal life to come. The final stanza talks about that. And Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. The clouds roll back, there's a scroll. The trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Thousands of millions of Christians have sung those words throughout the years. And by the way, Elijah got out of the cave too. God used him greatly. And you can get out of that cave as well. But it isn't your own strength. That will do it. It isn't your great attitude. It isn't your great smile. It isn't by singing and lots of hugs from a big purple dinosaur. <laughs> it is Jesus. It is listening to his voice. It is seeing his love, that he is the one who will never leave you alone. He is the one that will dry your tears. He is the one that shouts his glory and the power of nature. He is the one who whispers his love into the corners of your heart. And he is with you today, too. He allows you and me to join Elijah and Horatio Spafford and declare I am never alone. My Jesus loves me. It is well. It is well with my soul. Go in that confidence and peace that in Christ it is well with your soul. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.